0: Oh, 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 oh! oh, Well, well. welcome to another edition of the In Search SEO Podcast. We paint the town red with search marketing insights. In this episode, we welcome the fantastically fantastic Ali Berry of the Ascent. to talk all about eat expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. The difference between expertise, authority, and trust. How to build up your eat profile for different types of YMYL sites and beyond. The bio. How to build up your authorship credibility plus. We dive into some of the data on the latest Google update, the June 2019 core update. I am your host, Morty Obersee, and I am joined by she who lights the world with happiness, Sapir Carabello. How are (laughs)
1: you? I'm good. How are you, Morty?
0: Good. So if this is your first episode, we have a running joke going on. You you may not be aware of it, I'll let you in on it. Uh, Sapir is the only person left on the planet who has not seen Avengers Endgame to my knowledge at this point. So I'm going to ask her, have you seen Endgame yet?
1: No comment. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh.
0: I'm not even – like Okay. I'm not even the biggest Avengers fan. I was a big comic book fan as a kid. I think the movies are okay. They're pretty good. They're entertaining. There's nothing to write home about. But, like, come on. They got pop culture. Everyone's seeing it. Every- Everyone's doing it. Why don't you take a puff? Uh, I – I just don't have time. I don't, I'm a busy <laughs> woman, okay? <laughs> okay, fine. So, you are you know, I'm a big practical joker and it's getting very, very hard for me not to spoil this for you and not to, you know, tell you what happened. So just appreciate already, the fact. Yeah, I no. already
1: saw enough spoilers
0: on Twitter. Oh, really? So. Okay, great. So you know what happens. You know what happens to, to. I'm not going to say it. I won't do it. Okay. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Okay. It's very hard. I know. I'm going to be a good person. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure for not acting like a jerk. Okay. Do not forget we put out a new episode of the In Search SEO podcast each and every Tuesday. You can find it on the Rank Ranger blog. You can find it on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on Stitcher, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes. Oh, and also don't forget, you can use Rank Ranger for your next site audit. It's colorful. It's deep. It's easy to use. It's site audit awesomeness, and it's free for 14 days over at RankRanger.com. That's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. you should definitely go ahead and sign up for a 14-day free trial. Okay, we've got a great show for you today. We have one of the best conversations around EAT with Ali Berry of the Motley Fool family. But before that, we have some data on the latest core update. So let's go data, or as Ed McMahon would say, "Heyo." Go ahead.
1: Okay, so on June 4th, Google rolled out the June 2019 core update. In fact, Google announced the update before it ever rolled out when Danny Sullivan took to Twitter to prepare the SEO community for the pending update.
0: Okay. So you know how much I love diving into these updates, to be sarcastic. Case you didn't catch that. Uh, a few caveats here. One, I will not be talking winners and losers. I do not think anything good happens from these lists. Well, not anything good. Stuff. There is some good to it, but they're not as definitive as you might think they are. Um, the site goes up. The site goes down as part of a larger context. Are they really winners? Are they really losers? It's a really much larger, um, more complicated story than just a, a couple of lists, a couple of winners, a couple of losers. So I'm not doing it. Okay. Two, what I will say is but a sliver of the conversation. A sliver of data, one slice of the pie, one card from the deck, one sip from the shake. <laughs> I guess that works. You get what I'm saying. Okay, so here we go. And keep in mind, this is just the initial data we looked at. I hope to put it a much deeper, uh, more robust analysis. Good few days after everything is settled and hit the and the dust has, you know, sort of hit the earth. And we can sort of breathe for a second, gain some perspective, and then I'll go back into it. Okay, but this is the, the first round, if you want to call it that. Okay. So I looked at five niches, travel, health, retail, finance, and gambling, because I'm a gambler. Actually, no, I never gambled. I went to a casino one time. I told you this before on the podcast. I played the slot, and I walked out because it was boring. Anyway, first question, were some niches more impacted than others? And the answer is yes. Oh, boy. But it depends on the metric. Okay, okay. Let me explain. Well, let me explain the metrics that I use first. Um, for all you data geeks out there, you're going to enjoy this. For if you're not a data geek and you just want some of the numbers, bear with me for the next minute. Okay. Be patient. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. So what do I compare? I compare the percentage of sites that were consistent between two points. I take two stable points, right? And I see the number or percentage of sites that were consistent from one point to the next. And then I take a point from before the update and then during the update and see how stable the rankings were there. And there is sort of a comparison between the baseline data and the update itself. Okay. So for example, let's say I, I, I analyze a whole bunch of keywords within the niche. Okay. I want to see what percent of those URLs rank number one for those keywords on date one and are still ranking number one on data point number two. Okay. So let's say I see, I don't know, a hundred percent of the URLs on data point one matched. They're still in the first position at data point two. There are no rank fluctuations. Everything is unbelievably stable. It's like getting a perfect score on your SATs. It's kind of impossible anyway, but let's say I were to say, or I were to see rather that 50% of the URLs on date one were still in the top spot on date number two. That would indicate, hey, there is a Google update happening, ranks are nuts, okay? You would never see that, by the way. That's huge, uh, the first position, okay? So you have these baseline dates, you have the update dates. Let me explain what I found. 97% of the first results for all the keywords I looked at in my travel niche data matched from one point to the next point in the baseline data. That's pretty stable. That's what you would expect to see, okay? However, when we look at the update, that number dropped to ninety percent. Okay, in other words, there was a seven point loss, and there was a good deal of rank fluctuations happening at the first position within the travel niche. In fact, of all the niches I studied, there was a nice amount of movement at the first position, which is becoming more of the norm with these updates. If you jump back maybe, I don't know, two, three years ago, not two, three years, two, maybe even just two years ago, maybe even a year and a half ago, the first position didn't move as much as it does now, which is interesting. Okay. Now, if we look at the other niches, you have the same thing. Okay, a lot of movement all the way through the positions. Now, was there more? And I know this is the burning question: Was there more movement within the health and finance niches? The answer is relative to some of the other ones. Yes. Oh, medic update. Y M Y L E A T E A T E. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Nope. To quote, "Too far from Aladdin. Calm yourself, Iago." Okay. Because the gambling niche took the brunt of it all. While the health niche went from, let's say, the first result, okay, the health niche went from 96% stability to 85% stability during the update. That's a big jump. It's a big loss, okay? The gambling niche went from 95% rank stability before the update to 79% during the update. That's a big old shift. Okay, let me simplify this a bit. Because I know it's a lot to chew on. And again, for my data geeks out there. i got to give you something to chew on. Okay. Put it like this. The gambling niche saw the most rank fluctuations initially. Okay? It's part of my initial roundup. What will come out in the end, who knows? But I would imagine it would be pretty much the same thing. I just imagine that some of the numbers may, may shift a little bit. But the general narrative is going to be the same as far as I can tell. Okay? The gambling niche took the brunt of it. Okay? they At all the metrics I tracked... Be it the first position, the second position, the third position, and then track the top five overall and the top ten overall, the gambling niche was the most volatile during the update. Okay, there was the most the most movement within that niche. Okay. That said, okay, by the way, that could point to there being a strong quality element within the update. Okay, I'm not going to speculate any more than that. For many metrics, in fact, for almost all the metrics, outside of the gambling niche. The YMYL niches saw the most movement. Let's be the health niche and the finance niche. For example, the third position and discounting the gambling niche, the finance and health niches saw stability losses of over 30%, while the other niches, travel, uh, retail, saw only around 10%. Okay? So that's a big gap there. So same pattern. We're looking at the top five results and the top 10 results overall. The gambling niche took the most, you know, it was the most volatile, the most rank fluctuations in the health and the... The finance niche, I guess, were second tier. Then your third tier were the other niches. I am not going to speculate to know, oh, it's targeting health and it's targeting YNYL. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, It could be that some of the tweaks that Google made to the algorithm were applicable to those sort of sites. Possibly, I'm not going to speculate any more than that. That's my going theory, I guess, but I won't go any further into that. I'll let you draw your own conclusions. I don't think Google's targeting YMYL specifically, like many thought during the medic update, which was also misconstrued because many were not actually saying that people did th- I'm not, I'm not getting into this. I'm not getting into the medic update. Don't it's like I hate that word medic update. Goodbye, medic update. What I do want to talk about though is some crazy data with the average position change. We've talked about that, right? The average position change. We've mentioned that on the podcast. I can't remember if we mentioned that in the podcast before.
1: It's all a blur.
0: Any idea? It's yeah. all a blur. It is. By the way, I was thinking Maggie, What did we speak about last week? I can't remember. It's it's all it's all one giant blur. It's all like a New- like a Neil Young song. They all sound the same to me. Okay. I think we did talk about it, but anyway, the average position change is the average number of positions a site moves when it's on the move. How many positions does a site, on average, fluctuate when Google is deciding to move it to a different position? Is it one? Does it jump up one? Does it jump down one? Does it jump down five, 10, 20, 30, 40? I can go on. I know numbers. Now, during an update, Pierre what would you expect to happen to the average Position change during an update.
1: That the average number of positions a site fluctuates to be more than before the update?
0: Exactamundo. But that's not the case. Well, it's not to to the extent that you would think. It It did go up, just not to the extent that you would think. For example, before the update, sites within the travel niche tended to move... One position when Google decided to switch things up, you know, because Google always switches things up. Nothing stays the same day in, day out. So when a site did move, Google decided, hey, you know, this site, we're going to pluck you and we're going to move you. We're going to move you one position on average. It's an average. They don't say, oh, I have my sites. Move five positions. It's an average. During the update, we went from one to seeing the site. It's within the travel niche move 1.26 positions. Ooh, big jump. Finance niche, Okay. Also jumped jumped 0.5 positions. Right, the average moved up 0.5 positions during the update, which is very very small. Could just put some, put some. I'm gonna get this out right to put some context to this, okay, or perspective to this during the medic update. Oh, there's that word again. Um, the average number of positions sites moved during the update. I, it really is. It's become like such a thing. The medic update. I am telling you, like 50 years down the line, people will be sitting on the front porch whittling wood and saying, I remember that medic update. Oh, that was a doozy. It's like, God, forget it. Okay. During the medic update, the average number of positions sites fluctuated. Okay. Within the health niche, for example, they jumped two positions. There was a two position increase from before the update to during the update. Here again, if in the health niche, we have a 0.5 position increase. Okay, that's, that's a one-and-a-half position increase difference. It's huge. It's enormous, okay? The medic update made a lot of sense. Giant movement, right? Large fluctuation. Sites are moving two positions on average, four positions on average, wherever it was. Here, okay, the increase, the, the, the normal jumping you would see, the large jumps you would see didn't happen. So I will speculate again, or it's good speculation because it, it's, it's the data. I'm not really speculating. During this update, many, many sites moved but they didn't move a lot. There weren't wild fluctuations. I know you're screaming at me. No, no, no. My site moved 100 positions. You moron. I you, you don't know what you're talking about because everyone gets very upset about Google update data. No, no, you're wrong. Not only are you wrong, you're a moron. I'm not saying that your site didn't jump 10 positions, didn't lose 10 positions, didn't lose 20, didn't gain 50. Yes, there are wild swings with these big updates. What I am saying is on average – or mixed into those wild swings where many, many sites moving a small number of positions, one, one or so, one and a half positions on average, okay? Very few, very small rather, very small movement for many, many, many sites. Well, of course, you do have your big sites jumping tremendously. So I'm not saying no. I'm just saying you have to realize that mixed into those large swings are a lot of sites moving a couple of positions here or there, small movements, but many of them. By the way, I will. This is, this is speculation. Um, because I haven't really dug into this yet, and I was talking to our CEO, Shai Hurrell. and I was also online, online, on Twitter, online, also on Twitter, and I saw Giancarlo to this to um, say the same thing. I speak to him about this. It does seem that Google's getting more refined with what keywords it's hitting within your keyword set and what keywords it's rewarding you with from an update. In other words, you have your whole keywords data set that you're targeting, all your keywords that you target, all the keywords you win for. Google's now better at knowing which ones it should promote for your site and which ones it should reward and boost your boost for your site. In other words, it knows, I think Google knows. How to profile your site better, and it says, okay, these keywords, this, this, you know, all these keywords over here, these twenty or so pool of keywords, those aren't as relevant to your site as you think they are. So we're gonna drop your rankings for them. They're not really attached to, or they don't really speak to your crow, your your cro- your crow, your core profile. Oh boy, these other keywords. Okay, this pool of keywords, these 20 keywords over here, well, these are these are directly related to the core profile, exactly what your site does. So we are going to reward you, and we're going to boost your rankings for this. So it's not a zero-sum sum game. It never was, but it's, I think it's a, a far less of a zero-sum game than it was in the past, and Google's getting much better. No, okay, these keywords don't relate to you, and these keywords do relate to you. I'm going to boost you over here. We're going to hit you over here. And if I am right... It does mean that a shift in strategy perhaps and focusing on just those core keywords that really relate to what you're doing and sort of forgetting you know, this broad trying to hit as many keywords as possible outlook, which, by the way, is a strategy that has been diminishing for some time now but perhaps more so than ever. I will try to look into that a little bit more and get back to you on that. Okay, a lot of movement, a lot of rank fluctuations, a lot of talk. What better time to stop talking about this because I'm done talking about this and move on to a great interview with Ali Berry all about EAT, all about expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness, which does, according to some, relate to the Google algorithm. And we did discuss it, so find out as we cut one. You are in for a treat as another InSearch SEO podcast interview session is here. Joining us today is the one, the only, Ali Berry, who is currently the SEO and content lead for The Ascent, which is part of the Motley Fool family. So welcome.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: So basically, you can help me with my, with my credit card debt and my SEO this is how this works, right?
2: Yeah, actually, I do know a surprising <laughs> amount about credit cards.
0: <laughs> That's good. That's good to know. If, if I had credit card debt, I would definitely come to you then
2: good deal yeah i can get you the best i have family
0: members can i get a group discount
2: (laughs) i can't get you a deal (laughs) but i can help you find the best product
0: okay um by the way can you please i I, okay so first off i love the name motley fool Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and if you have any inkling how they got that name i would love to explore that but if you don't can you just let us know what you do what the ascent is and how it all works
2: I can actually tell you The Motley Fool name, so this company is about 25 years old, and when they first started, it it comes from a Shakespearean play, and I forget which one it's called, but essentially The Motley Fool was the one person in a kingdom who was allowed to tell the king what he needed to hear without consequence. Um, So, they kind of took that idea of, we are providing advice to people for investing for their finances, um, and we're going to give you like the information you actually need to hear.
0: Without consequence. Without
2: consequence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So that's the idea cool. behind The Motley Fool. What I do, so uh, The Ascent is is a sub-brand that um, is newer to The Motley Fool. It's an affiliate business, so it's very different. Our, our normal model is uh, subscription content, specifically for like investing topics. And The Ascent is kind of the precursor to The Motley Fool in that we're helping people get out of debt, get into a better financial situation so that they are able to then, you know, have some money to invest. Um, So, our content is all free, Um, the idea is to to help people to get them to the financial products that makes the most sense for their situation, and then we have affiliate relationships with a lot of the products that we're talking about, um, and that's how we make our money.
0: No, so so basically, if I want to talk to somebody about why and while sites and eat, you're you're definitely the person, you're definitely the site to talk about it. This, yeah. Which yeah, is which is yeah. great.
2: It does matter a lot for us, definitely.
0: So that's what we're going to talk about then, being that that is so appropriate. So let's start off a bit general, make sure everybody's on the same page, so to speak. So. We're talking about expertise, authoritativeness, and, and trust. And how do you go about doing that? What are the some What are some of the basics or some of the foundational things you must do if you want to create a solid eat profile?
2: Yeah. So you know, it's funny. I feel like eat is it's, it's a little squishy in that when you're creating expertise, you're going to create authoritativeness at the same time and trust. It's kind of all related. But things <laughs> that I think matter for all three. So. Obviously, having experts who are creating your content or are at least involved in your content process, uh, pretty important because you know the, if you actually have people who know what they're talking about, they're going to create better content than if you have just your SEO content marketing team who's trying to learn finance and also create quality content. Like It's just really hard to compete. So I think actually having experts in your content strategy, super important from an authoritativeness Perspective, I feel like authoritativeness is more about like showing your expertise. So, having, you know, really good bio pages for all of your content creators, having a really strong about page that's, you know, who you are, what you're about, why people should trust you, like having that information explicit on your site. And then, anything you can do, like if your company has won awards or your people have, or, you know, you have customer testimonials, third party reviews, having all of that stuff on your site, I think is also important to. And then from a trust perspective, you know, making sure that your site is secure seems like a no-brainer. Having really good quality links, I feel like that's going to be a huge trust component, too, if other sources are, are linking to you as an expert. That tells Google a whole lot about you. And then just having error-free content, too. I think that goes a long way.
0: By the way, that's the first time I've ever heard somebody actually break down the difference between each element of eat. So I, I very much thank you for that. And I think my audience thanks you for, thanks you for that because that was very succinct, very clear and very needed, I think.
2: Oh, good. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about it too because it is squishy. But mm-hmm. I, do, I do think that none of this is new. I just think that it's a new way of framing a lot of things that are in the algorithm.
0: Yeah, it is, it is sort of basic. Like You don't want to... In any sort of relationship, whether it be someone you're dating or somebody who you want them to read your content, there has to be some sort of trust between between the two parties as a basic component. So let me let me ask you, okay? So I know I know you just touched on this, but forget about when you – okay, so we, we all talk about creating expertise and authoritativeness and trustworthiness. But how do you go about making sure that the audience – A, the audiences – I think that, by the way, I think that gets left to this, the wayside a little bit. We often speak about Google being aware of it or making sure that Google knows that you're you trustworthy and whatnot. But also, how do you make sure that your actual readers know that? Or And at the same time, how do you make sure Google also knows that? Because there's no point in spending so much time and money doing it
2: mm-hmm. if
0: no one notices.
2: Yeah. So I think – I don't think your strategy needs to be that different for people people versus search engines right but I do I do think it's more about how you display your information and I think that Google is asking websites to be more overt about how how they're going about this so something we implemented at the beginning of The Ascent is like having a call-out on key pages that explains why you can trust this author and it's just a bio that gives credibility to that person so if it's like you know a page about your best travel credit cards like hey, you know, I've racked up 500,000 travel points, blah, blah, blah. So, like, clearly I have done this before, so I am somebody you can trust, you know, with your strategy around that. So I feel like just having that kind of information and making it more obvious to the reader, like putting it actually within the content versus, like, at the bottom um, is just one easy way because as you're reading, like, what would you want to see if you were visiting this site? Um, So little things like that, I think... Again, like the testimonials piece I think can be really powerful if if you're putting it on relevant pages instead of like just creating a static hmm. testimonials page around it so like I used to work in an agency and I had a car dealership client who he actually took all of the reviews of his particular salespeople and put it on their bio pages and hmm. I thought that was super cool because Not only is it like helping build trust of his team, but like his team is incentivized to ask for reviews and also just to like use their bio page in the rest of their marketing. So as they're sending emails to people, it's going to be in their signature. So I feel like just doing little things like that is going to go a long way for a user. And then, you know, I think Google picks up on that. So it's all related.
0: Would you go so far as to have a different bio for for different pages? In other words, same author, Mm -hmm. various sets of expertise. Mm Mm-hmm. Different page, different bio, or is it nah, overkill?
2: No, I don't think so. I think it depends on what it is. So, I mean, we, we do have different ones. So, in our Why You Can Trust Me, it's targeted to that particular page. And then each author has, you know, a standard bio page that gives a little bit more high level information about them, where they've been published, how long they've been in this industry, et cetera. But I do think that there is something to be said for at calling out, like, why this person's the right person to be writing this page
0: yeah hundred percent um and with that, which flows right into my next question, so so much goes into so much thought goes into talking about um an author's bio and so forth. but what are some less notable ways you can sort of build up the author's credibility outside of doing a yeah. bio I
2: mean so everything I've been talking about is what's on your site, but I think the best thing that you can do to build up your people is is to get them in other publications, it, depending on what kind of content you're creating for, for us. We've been trying to get our authors into, you know, different news sources, um, kind of building up relationships with journalists to to try to get, you know, those media placements, but also those links. But that I think that's a huge deal, right, because that's helping build up our authoritativeness from the outside. So I, I do see like, yeah, obviously, it's helpful if you have PR people who are dedicated to that kind of an effort. But I mean, anyone can join that help a reporter outside. And become a source for journalists and i think that we're going to see more merging of like pr and seo practices with eat
0: that is very interesting i mean would you let me ask you so you have an author they have their very let's just say they write for more than one site Mm -hmm. Uh, more than one topic sort of related whatever it is let's say i'm with all within the finance needs but different finance topics for different sites different bios then to what extent do you think Google's able to sort of synthesize all these different bios into one author profile or do you think there's just totally and there's no way they can do that? Like do they know author X and do they know author X from on just one site or are they able to sort of glue it all together from multiple sites?
2: It's a good question. I don't know the answer to that question.
0: I wish I did. <laughs> if you <laughs> did, I'd give you a million bucks.
2: But you know, in the end of the day, like what we're doing is to establish trust with the user and I guess just assuming that, you know, Google's going to follow suit as well. I do think that Google can track a person across the internet. Like if you do a Google search for one of our authors, you're going to find all of the pieces, right? The stuff they've done for their sites. So, I mean, I I definitely think they're weaving a thread. And I know that that was something they were trying to do when they created Google Plus, you know, like that was the idea behind that originally was to like kind of build up each person. Obviously that didn't work out the way they wanted it to, but... I, I, of course, Google is trying to figure out a way to like connect all the dots.
0: Right. I mean, look, they do know, let's say you search for, I don't know, uh, like John Madden. I have no idea why it's like my example that I go <laughs> to, but John Madden. Okay, fine. You have those related search boxes. So like, uh, for example, I can't remember. In many instances, you'll have the entity you're looking at, say so it's John Madden. They'll have a whole list of, you know. A- alumni to whatever college they went to. So they're able to pull out, okay, that John Madden went to whatever college, which I have no idea if he ever went to college from the way he talks, probably not. <laughs> but <laughs> but they're able to sort of pull in, okay, so this guy went to this college, this person went to that college, this person went to this college, and here's all the other people who also went, famous people who went to this, to this college. So that it seems that they are to whatever, even if it's at a basic level, Sort of scour the web and pull in who's related, who's not related, and sort of pull together your background from your various aspects of what you have and done in the past and what you're doing now. So mm-hmm. it would go to stand that there's some sort of way that they would be able to do that. I would assume more with, ha- with high profile authors versus your average author for whatever website. Yeah. But the ent- the entity indexing, the entity web that they're creating would seem to speak to the fact that maybe they could do it
2: yeah i I absolutely think they could do it. I guess the question is is it worth their time to figure it out
0: i I would hope so I, is good, only because it's cool
2: yeah i I totally agree, especially with high profile people but no i I think it I think it definitely matters so
0: yeah okay so let me let me ask you because we speak of eat so indiscriminately, right but mm-hmm. there are really two two sides of this coin there's the health sites and and the finance sites I mean there are other subcategories within there but does it manifest itself differently for different types of sites?
2: I think yes. However,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was clear.
2: Yeah, right. No, I think yes in that. And I don't think this is new, right? I think that if you are looking for, say, medical information, it's important that it's coming from an authority like a rochester mayo a cleveland clinic right so i think that depending on what the query is i think that the expertise factor matters a whole lot as well as and everything else that follows suit to the authoritativeness and then with that comes trust so yes i think that it, it does matter based on what somebody is looking for and i i mean i understand why they they targeted finance and they targeted health first because like those things do matter a lot to people's, you know, lives. Health is obviously a, a big deal, and you don't want to get bad information. Same thing with what you do with your money. So I think that's why they started targeting those first. But I, I think that it would be short-sighted to say that they're not going to follow suit with other topics as well. I mean, they even put that in their own guidelines. Like, but yeah, it's different. A gossip website is going to be different than,
0: than somebody <laughs> that, looking. That's for- inherently harmful.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Right. I would imagine local would be a great place for them to start with this. You have so much uh, you know, spammy plumbers, spammy locksmiths, whatever it is. It would be nice to have some sort of authoritativeness to the actual – I mean, I know they're trying through their local service ads, but it would be nice to do something a bit more organically.
2: I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think if I were them, that's what I would be trying to attack is like where are the worst – where are the most spammy places and, yeah, how do we get a solution in place for that?
0: That's a, that's a rabbit hole right there, <laughs> I think. One of the one of the problems well let's talk about it like this okay so we have let's say um, and I see it more for finance sites than I do for medical sites mm-hmm. and it just I guess it's sort of just the way this you know the content is what the sites are doing but a lot of the time you so I at least personally I can't speak for what's out there objectively speaking but the UI for a lot of the finance sites are a little bit spammy for example so this, the site's supposed to be about helping you with whatever financial need that you have but you have a big picture of the credit card and you have a you know a bunch of links and you have a call to action button. Does Google pick up on that UI and say, well, you know what, that looks more like a commerce UI than it looks, uh, you know, an educational, informative, helpful UI?
2: Does this matter? Yes, I think it does. It's a hard thing, right? Especially in the affiliate space, because there are a lot of partners who have a lot of requirements about what our pages need to look like and what information needs to be there. So it's kind of inevitable that you do end up with what a lot of these sites do look like. I do think that UI, Google absolutely cares about UI. I know that, you know, they keep coming out and saying click through rate doesn't matter for like, it's not in the algorithm for ranking. It is absolutely an indirect factor whether people click and stay and get the information that they need from that site versus bounce.
0: Of course. It not. so has to be it, it, it. First off, why wouldn't you use that data? You have yeah. it. Why wouldn't it? So I think either way, either you're not using yeah. it, mm-hmm. right. And you have the data to do it or you you're not using it and, and, and it's helpful. So why wouldn't you use it? Like, why are you not showing me the best results possible by using this data?
2: Exactly. And I think, Honestly, I think this just comes down to language and nuance. And I think that what they're they're trying to say is it it matters, but it's not like a core factor in the algorithm and like, okay, that's fine. Um,
0: They're very much splitting hairs over it.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So I I think it's fair to say that you should be concerned about your click-through rate and like retaining those people on the page and on your site. So yes, UI matters from that perspective because I mean, in the end of the day, did the user get the information they were looking for? So is your stuff organized in a way that makes it easy for them? Yes
0: yeah, that was a very carefully weaved answer I, I appreciate that answer very much. <laughs> <laughs> let me, okay, so let me let me do the flip side of that question. So you have this problem you have all this, you know you're an affi- you have all these affiliates and you have all these requirements and you're sort of stuck and you have to do all these things. What can you do on your page to combat that? And how could you use content as your friend? To sort of build up authoritativeness by using content in an ancillary sort of way?
2: What a good question. So, thank we, you. <laughs> what we've done, <laughs> obviously, we have pages that have these long, you know, best of lists, and they are valuable and honestly convert while people are getting the information they need. So, I'm not saying that we have spammy pages because I truly do not believe we do. But what we've been doing to, you know, we have. Articles as well. And those are the ones that were, you know, targeting your long tail keywords, the more specific questions about certain financial situations. We're creating content for, for, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a blog. We actually just changed our URL to articles, but that's, it's still essentially a blog. All of our writers are contributing their thoughts around, you know, how to, how to do your personal finance as well. We syndicate that content out to partners as well, like a USA Today and AOL. Etc. cetera, to try to get as much traffic as we can, because anyone could potentially be a customer for us. Everyone needs credit cards. Everyone needs a bank account. So pretty broad audience in that regard. <laughs> but then all of those pages, you know, link to our hubs. We have a pitch at the end that's like, you know, if you want to know more about this topic, like visit our list of, you know, best balance transfer credit cards, whatever it is. So, I mean, I think it's about creating like a good funnel for your user, but, you know, we don't put offers on our article pages directly other than like in a sidebar. It's all just the content for somebody reading about something.
0: Well, well that's good because th- there have been many instances where you go to a website and then you're just inundated with offers on what's supposed to be a really helpful and really um, informative piece of content.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay,
0: so we can sort of speak about this all day long, but... EAT is really just one element within your overall SEO strategy and there's so many other aspects of SEO that you should be focused on. Where do you feel that EAT fits into the hierarchy? Because I know lately, ever since the medic update, which is almost a year ago already, which is nuts, EAT's just been off the charts. Everyone's talking about it. It's the most important thing possible because there was a, and I'll get to that in a moment, there was a sort of possible correlation between the quality reader guidelines and the medic update. Okay, but In reality, there are many other aspects to SEO. So where does it fit Mm -hmm. in? Well, If you had a totem pole of SEO um, tactics and aspects to consider.
2: Yeah, no, that's a good question. So I would say that if search engines can't crawl, index, and access your information, it doesn't matter how good your EAT score (laughs) is.
0: I have a great (laughs) EAT score, but no one can read my content. Exactly, right? There Uh, is no content.
2: I think that is an important perspective, um, and this is coming from a content person. If, if your tech SEO sucks, if your site is slow, none of it matters. You're not going to rank well. So I think you need to start with the basics um, before you even think about eat. And once your site is in a good position, you know you have a you have a higher or a faster site than your competitors. You know there aren't any glaring errors happening. You know you've got your redirects in order, all that good stuff. Then I think double down on your EAT. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. But I don't think it's just about EAT. I think it's about having a pretty solid content strategy. And I think that having expertise within your content strategy is the key to it all.
0: Well, I like that because I think having a content strategy is part of being an expert.
2: Mm -hmm, Exactly.
0: Uh, If it's just random pieces of content that sort of don't really play off one another, are you really that big of an expert? Or are you just throwing at random posts to get traffic? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And usually when people are doing that, it's SEOs. God bless them. <laughs> right. So that's, that's
0: that's inevitably what happens when one of these issues becomes like a hot topic. Yeah. So we totally forget a common sense and how things are supposed to work holistically. And we just oh, so we'll just do we'll do we'll have author bios everywhere yeah. and it'll be great. <laughs> we'll, we'll have three lines of content and then another author bio
2: god i've never uh, even thought about that those are conversations that are coming though
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally you know it's gonna happen like the the content itself was in like you know eight font and the author bio is like <laughs> 50 <laughs> Oh
1: God.
0: <laughs> okay so so now for the controversy and i have to ask this so yes but after the medic update everyone was sort of thinking, well, half the SEO world was sort of thinking there's a correlation between what Google can do, al- al- I'm going to get the word out, I always mess up this word, algorithmically, it's a tongue twister, it's like in and the it- back of my throat, I can't get it out. Algorithmically, to what it has in the quality reader guidelines, and Okay, so part of what happened here was like no, Google denied it, and then again, it's sort of the splitting of hairs. John Mueller said, "No, there's no one-to-one match between the algorithm and the quality reader guidelines." But no one ever said there was. No one said, "Yes, it's an exact one-to-one match." But
1: mm-hmm.
0: do you think that some of the general thrusts of what's behind the quality reader guidelines and what Google can do algorithmically sort of line up together or not? Um, you can you can the fifth if you want.
2: <laughs> I don't. No, okay. I. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's an important question. I did read it, you know, their actual guidelines and stuff. I just think that they're rebranding what's already in their algorithm, to be honest with you. like I, And that might be a controversial opinion, but I- No, no, no.
0: I, I, good, good. I, More controversy, I, the better.
2: Yeah, no. Like, I'm, I'm shocked that it's gotten the amount of attention that it, it has, just because, like, when you really step back and think about it, like, what is the algorithm built on? It's built on links links are a signal of trust. Oh, trust, like that word again. So even if they're saying, you know, there's other ways to build trust besides links, like they're looking at links. And I don't think that that's new. They outlined, you know, what a high quality site looks like and, you know, pointed at things like news sites. Well, yeah, they're high quality. They get a ton of links, right? And <laughs> And from good sites. So it's it It just feels very nuanced. and I, I I just am not convinced that they've really changed anything that much. I just think that they're they're asking people to be more overt about things that they're already doing. And I think that it it's definitely a warning for people who are trying to spam some of these, you know, like the the spammy people just being like, your days are kind of numbered now. But we've always known that like reviews matter. So now they're saying, "Hey, that's a thing." And like, <laughs> of course, of course a page written by an expert's going to be higher quality content than a page that was spun up by some SEO or content marketer who doesn't actually understand the topic beyond the research they did of competitors before they wrote the page. So, like we've always known quality content matters. Like I, I guess I just don't like I don't see how this is really all that different other than, you know, just being more m- mindful of certain things on your site. Does that make
0: sense? There, there's so much to take apart in what you just said. Um, yeah, it makes a ton of sense. I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you on this. First off, I don't know where to start. Okay. <clears throat> yes, if you have an, if you have an authoritative author, meaning that they know what they're talking about, your content is going to be a million times better, and that's going to be better for your SEO. Like that should go without saying. Like I, I we get so hung up in all these catchphrases and whatnot that just we just become stupid to a certain extent. So yes, a million percent. <laughs> Two, what I find so fascinating about what you just said is that as opposed to making a big deal out of it, like, yeah, like, of course, it's going to do these things algorithmically. Like, it just, it just kind of makes sense. It's what it's it's what it's always been doing because I just recently spoke to – actually, we just put the episode out today from, with Dan Petrovich from Dejan SEO in um in Australia. So I asked him the same question because we're talking about Google algorithms in general. And he's like, no, there's no correlation at all between the algorithm and the quality rater guidelines, almost for the exact opposite reason that you said. And then – Okay, so I usually don't take a, a take with, with my my guests. You have your opinion. It's your it's it's really your show. I'm just so you know, I'm the facilitator.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and so Dan was like, you know, I don't see it because, and there's a really fascinating reason. And his reasoning was because it's public. Like if Google was going to do something and make it part of their algorithm, they wouldn't tell you about it, which is a compelling statement to make. Mm-hmm. But. I do agree with you. I do think that what a lot of the 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 momentum behind what they're doing with their algorithm inherently for years basically aligns to what they're trying to do with the quality rater guidelines. I don't think there's a lot of hoopla to it. That said, there is another there is another side to 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 the equation that's not being represented in this episode of the InSearch Search SEO podcast, but has been another episode. So you make up your own minds. And that's all I'm going to say about the war in Vietnam. <laughs> to quote Forrest Gump. <laughs> That's a, I, I love that question. Okay. We have a fun little bit that we do. But before we do that, I just want to ask you open-ended, what have we not covered here? Right? When, when thinking about EAT and creating all these sort of you know ways of creating expertise, authoritativeness, and trust, what are some things that What – first of all, what are some cliches? What are some fallacies? And what are some things that we haven't touched on? We're standing on one foot, of course.
2: You know, I think it. this goes – if you read all the blog articles out there about, you know, how to improve your eat and five easy steps, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, you can create these bios and your about page and all that. But I feel like that's table stakes stuff. I, 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 mean, I already did say this, so it's not uncovered, but I feel like if you don't have a good content strategy, like that's where you really should be focused on. And all of this is going to follow suit and, and just figuring out a way to leverage the people in your organization who have knowledge that could help your content strategy like a lot of people who are, you know, very high up or, you know, if you're, I'm in finance, right? So if you have somebody who's like a CFA or a CFP out there who maybe isn't a good writer, still figuring out a way to like leverage their knowledge and, you know, work with them as like the content marketer or the SEO behind it to to make sure that like their expertise is, is in your content. I feel like that is the key to success everywhere. And that, in, that involves actually like de-siloing yourself and going out and talking to the people at your organization.
0: Heaven forbid. Yeah, right? Right. You know, co-authorship, does that work? Is that a thing? Oh, absolutely. Should it be a thing?
2: It could be a thing. I think it's a really valuable thing to do. I've done that in the past with previous content strategies, man, where we had some really, really smart people who just couldn't write <laughs> and, and honestly didn't like it. But, you know, so then it's like, okay, well, this is going to be more of an interview format. And I mean, sometimes... I would ghostwrite things and use the other person's name because they again, have more authority than I do on the topic. Like who wants to hear me talk about getting your CFP when the reality is I've never taken the exam. So, (laughs) you know, so like, it's, it's kind of about finding that balance and, and recognizing when, when your name should not be anywhere. And I mean, that's hard for some people because they want to build up their, portfolio and what have you but in the end of the day like think about what the who the user wants to hear from and go with that
0: that's sound advice very sound <laughs> advice yeah <laughs> which is always hard because yeah we do as 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 someone who writes you definitely want to have your profile out there and you definitely want to build up that portfolio yeah. so yeah that would suck but it guess it, it makes sense do the right thing exactly Come on, you know it
2: you can still claim it you know and <laughs> be right. like i ghost wrote this to anyone who." <laughs> <laughs> your,
0: secret, your secret notebook. You show all your <laughs> friends when they come over for a beer. Look, I wrote this. Exactly. <laughs> right. Okay. Now that we've done that, now I have this bit called Optimize It or Disavow It. And if you listen to this show regularly, you know what this is. I'm going to give you either two options that are really, really good or two options that are really, really bad. And you're stuck either throwing away a good option, which is hard. Or choosing a really bad option, which is also hard. Um, This is the Ali Berry version of optimize it or disavow it. So I want to ask you, if you had the choice, zero sum, you could only do one, not the other. Okay. If you could write an about page for your website or list customer reviews and you can only do one, which one would you do?
2: i think i would go with the customer reviews i think okay yeah i think the the third party information matters more to a user
0: oh that's a good point mm-hmm. that's a good point i just think you know the about me thing is like it's
2: kind of important it's about too. us it is but it should be about them not you
0: oh okay so the ego thing again put that aside
2: <laughs> put the ego but, aside. i mean
0: but but they're really awesome pictures of you and your whole company doing really crazy things that you would never do in real life.
2: Right. Like cleaning up the beach or. <laughs> right. Right. Mashing, and you, right. Matching t-shirts.
0: <laughs> oh man. Uh, customer reviews. That's so boring. Okay. Now, that makes that makes a ton of sense actually. Yeah. First off, no one, no one like cares that you're wearing this really, you know, nifty t-shirt and sunglasses and you look really cool versus a customer saying, Hey, this product actually works and it's really good and you should buy it. Mm hmm. So I agree with you. That's a good answer. Thanks. I always think these questions are tougher than on paper, these questions are tougher to me than they are when I ask them.
2: Um I, I mean, it's really hard to give up the about page. I get that. Cause because people would probably want to know what your business is about too. But yeah, I guess if you're gonna have to choose, that that's my choice.
0: Okay. Well, thank you very much, LA. Do really appreciate you coming on. This was awesome. Tons of fun, by the way. And Wishing you the best of luck. And you should definitely come on again and talk about some more stuff.
2: Thanks. Yeah, I would love to come back. This is always fun.
0: Thanks.
2: Love it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Welcome back to your regularly scheduled In Search SEO podcast. By the way, Allie Berry is such – not only is he super knowledgeable, she's a lovely person. So you should definitely reach out to her on Twitter and interact with her because she's great. I really – fantastic. Let's do that again because Donald Trump says fantastic. And I said I don't want to sound like Donald Trump. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome back to your regular schedule in search SEO podcast. Great interview. M- more than the wonderful insights that Ali brought, she's a lovely person. It was like some people you're able to just really you know. There's no pretense. It's really easy to talk to them. Really knowledgeable. Really fun. Really friendly. Ellie is that. Really had a great time talking to her. I'm um, hoping to do that again sometime soon. Which, by the way, this brings us right into our Rank Ranger SEO community question of the week. So, Sapir, take it away.
1: Okay. So... This week we wanna know how you go about building author authority beyond writing a good bio.
0: Right. So how do you build everyone knows you gotta build that bio or you have to have that bio then now. Google's looking at authority. It's in the guidelines. It's all all these things, okay? But how do you go about doing that? What's your best tip for doing that outside of just writing a bio? Because that's pretty straightforward and pretty simple, but there are other ways, as we discussed in the interview, but what are your thoughts? Um so looking for something good and creative to feature here next week on the In Search SEO podcast. Okay, by the way, don't forget to look for the community question on the Ring Reader Twitter account. You can find it on the blog post that harbors this podcast. We'll have a form for you if you want to answer anonymously, which is what someone did last week and had a great response to a question from last week, which was, by the way, From a colorless ad label to favicons, what does the mobile SERPs redesign mean for your SEO strategy? I wish this person left their name because I love what they said here. Okay, so so you know, just remind you quickly, there are now favicons on the the mobile SERP, and those are great or not great. We're going to do a whole piece on that in the near future, so look for that on the Rank Ranger blog. But anonymous said, and again, I wish they left their name for this one because I love this idea, it means – building your brand recognition up outside of the SERP. Meaning some people are saying use the favicons to build up your brand awareness. Everyone's going to see your brand. Everyone's going to click on you. We talked about this last week. I don't want to get into it right now. But everyone's saying, yeah, this is going to be great for your brand awareness. People will see your, your, your logo on the SERP, blah, 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 blah. This person is saying, no, no, no. You need to do that first. So when they come to the SERP, they know your brand already. And I love that idea. So social media, all those sort of things. It's a great piece of advice. Okay, moving on. And just want to say that we're we're gonna do the news now. It's time for the news. But we are recording this a wee bit earlier than we normally would. So this is a condensed version of the news. So if it's not as prolifically long and robust and complete as it usually is, stay tuned for next week. Okay, Sapir, do us all a giant favor and please hit it with the news.
1: So the auto suggest within Google's QA feature now suggests reviews and only reviews.
0: Ooh, okay, right. So I'm um, you type in the QA feature in the local panel. If you were to type a question in, you get a suggestion answer, and it used to come from the answers already um listed within the Q and A feature. But now, as you type in your question, does this place um have really good lobster? you get the reviews back, not the questions that the that the business could have created, but content that the business could not create. It's impossible for them to create. It's reviews. So it's a little bit less visibility, as Mike Blumenthal, who spotted this, pointed out for businesses to to have their own content show up when someone puts in a new question into the Q&A feature. That's pretty okay. great. Uh, it's pretty great. Well, it is, okay, it is pretty great because it does speak to the fact that Google they're giving you an auto suggest based on the question you're asking so okay so if you're asking uh, um, what time does you know Bob's furniture open
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, or that's a, that's a dumb question I, um, let me do that um does bob have good furniture and you'll 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 get reviews that align to your particular question that's obviously a very easy question to answer but let's do something a little more complicated okay when buying a brown leather couch with you know a recliner built in Does Bob's offer a great deal? And you'll get a review that aligns to brown leather couch and recliner, which means, by the way, if Google is pulling up that review as an auto-suggest, it also means that Google is very, 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 very aware of the content that's being left in reviews. Mm -hmm. And that's cool, interesting, whatever word you want to use for it. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay, let's move on. Google is again testing a carousel within the local pack. So instead of listing one on top of the other, you have a scrollable carousel.
0: Right. So you don't have your typical three listings. You have a scrollable carousel. And it is kind of interesting. There are all sorts of other tablets that you're looking for. I don't know. Let's say you're looking for an electrician, right? So you can also have, you'll have like your, your carousel there for electricians, and you might have something there for underneath another expandable carousel for some other subcategory. I An electrical engineer. I have no idea. Um, electrical inspections, and you'll have you open that tab up, and you get another three, another three. You get another um, carousel that you can scroll through there. Now, what's interesting is, and as Mike Bloomfield pointed out here, because he's the one who found this, and he's Mr. Maps himself, Professor Maps himself, rather, the scroll packs, okay, are not at the top of the SERP. You know, you have to swipe down to get to them. Right, it's on mobile. So you usually you you show up on the SERP, you get your local pack right away. Here you don't, and it actually we actually interviewed. Mike recently that's going to be released in the near future and i had a chance to ask him about this and he said that he thinks and you'll hear more about it in the future week so stay tuned for that but he thinks it has to do with the fact that google is avoiding some critique about favoring their own local results and therefore they push the pack down with this scrollable option you'll check out his full theory on this when we release the interview with mike blumenthal in the coming week stay tuned and that's all i'm going to say about that that's all for the news today right right i mean we could do the google update but okay in other news today, there was a Google update called the June the uh, I, I yeah, the June 2019 core update. I got it right. I was gonna call Florida 5, but I decided not to. By the way, you know why Google released the name first, right? They this is an interesting one, of course, as we mentioned already, but Google announced the name of announced that there will be an update coming, and they announced the name. Why do they announce the name? Because the last time they had a core update, the March 2019 core update. People were calling it silly things like, you know, the Florida 2 update, even though it had nothing to do with Florida 1. So instead of calling this Florida 526, Google said, hey, we'll just call it the June 2019 core update because that makes much more sense. Anyway, okay. Another great episode is behind us, which begets another great offbeat question. So here is your fun in-search SEO send-off question. Since you appear have not yet seen Avengers Endgame? And by the way, you, you, I prepared these questions in advance. So this is how this is how highly I think of your movie watching um, proficiency here. <laughs> I planned the question for you not seeing the movie. I don't have a backup question. Oh if you God. told me, yeah, I saw. It. <laughs> if you told me, yeah, I saw it. I'd be like, oh no, we don't, have, we don't have a question. I mean, we still have the question, but I wouldn't have that intro. Okay. Good
1: thing I'm. Yeah, I'm but I, I, I'm a reliable. I'm saying person. I planned
0: on you not seeing. You were you are a reliable source for not seeing movies. <laughs> Okay. If you ever want a person who has not seen a movie, and you want to rely on them, it's up here. Thank you, Morty. That yeah, and my my pleasure. Really, you're doing yeah. Because you haven't seen Avengers yet, and this this is by the way, you realize that I'm an immense practical jokester. Jokester, I'm going to keep harping on this point, even if, if it takes like the next two years for you to see the movie. Each and every episode, we're gonna talk about Avengers Endgame. That's it. I'm gonna, gonna watch go. it
1: over this weekend. That's <laughs> just it. just I'm so done. you can shut me up.
0: That's. <laughs> a- <laughs> That's what my wife does when I look at YouTube clips. I'm like, hey, here, check this YouTube clip. It's like, I don't want to see this. You have a like, we have a very different sense of humor.s I have a very different sense of humor than most people, so right. it's like, I don't want to see your YouTube clips. But eventually, she just kind of caved. Like, just like, okay, like, stop talking about it. I've seen, I've seen it. I get it. <laughs> Gosh, oh boy. Anyway, okay. So here's the question. Are you ready? Yeah. Which Avenger is Google? because you haven't seen Avengers Endgame. Now, you don't have the full analysis. Like, you can't fully appreciate and analyze which Avenger is best because you haven't seen Endgame. Maybe the personality change in Endgame. You wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. But based upon the Avengers that you have seen, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. which Avenger is Google? Oh, that, that's a pretty tricky one.
0: Um, so I meant for it to be tricky. It's, it's like an SAT <laughs> question. Right. <laughs> Right. So,
1: in my opinion, Google would either be Tony, Tony Stark or Thor. Do you want to know why?
0: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know anyway. Um, Good, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, with all these updates Google keep rolling out, it kind of reminds me of Tony Stark with all of his innovations, right? But right. Google might also be so Thor. Thor because, you know, he's the hottest one. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> Thor is hot. He is. No, nah, he is. No. Not, he, if I could, if I could look like Thor, in my younger <laughs> days I looked like Thor. Right.
1: Now right I look right.
0: like now now I now I look like a a balding Hulk. <laughs> without without all the muscles. So imagine oh the Hulk God. were balding and were much shorter and didn't have all the muscles. That's how I look like now. <laughs> Okay. Gosh. With that, I'm going – we're going to let you go because that's just too much information for you, right? All right. Oh, no, no. I didn't tell you what I thought. Oh, uh, you did Okay, fine. I didn't. I, I, I blew it. Okay. I, I think – okay. Sheesh. Okay, I think Google's the Hulk. Why? Because he's bawling and getting older. <laughs> because there was a- – because Okay, so before, before this June 2019 quarter update, if you look at the Rank Risk Index weather tool, you'll notice there was a ton of calm before the storm. There like very low levels, like really minimal levels of rank fluctuations, and then boom, the Google update happened. Sort of like the Hulk. Very calm, very pleasant, very awesomely cool and suave Dr. Banner. And then boom, ripped purple pants. Bulging green muscles, sent spinning down the serp. Google's the Hulk.
1: But, you know, the Hulk never had his own movie. You cannot, like,
0: oh, you know, oh, Google
1: oh. is, like, the main protagonist, and, you know? Okay. You cannot just, okay. I don't know, I disagree. I disagree. Let me,
0: let as an old man, an old comic book fan, let me correct you right there.
1: No, I know the one with Eric, Eric Bono, whatever his name is. Yes,
0: there uh, was. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even going to say – and there was one with Ed Norton also. Both of those are terrible. Okay. But yeah. I'm referring to is the Hulk's own TV show.
1: What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> I, exactly. We're going to leave it there before I lose my – before I lose it. Okay, I'm not going to lose it. I don't really care. And it wasn't that great of a show, but it's like part of pop, pop culture. Okay. Okay. You not knowing the Hulk series from the 70s aside, which is kind of explainable. I get that. It's not really – I mean, if you're a big comic book fan, you would probably get it. If not, not. It's a, it, it's it's okay, Sapir. Thank you. We we love you anyway. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a good you check it out. It's very cheesy. I, I mm. don't
1: think I will. Yeah.
0: No. No no no. Listen to just for the sake of checking it out, like wow, look what special effects look like in the seventies. Anyway, that will do it for us today on the In Search SEO podcast. This time I'm really done. Tune in next Tuesday for an all new episode. Thank you for tuning in, and don't forget, it's In Search, because we're all in search of something. Yeah. Thank you. Bye.